0: I can remember being a fairly young child, watching Scooby-Doo, as we have both said that we are both uh, Scooby-Doo fanatics, that it struck me as, you know, you never see them in the bathroom. Hello and welcome to Table Topics, the general advice and discussion podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and I have brought along, as I always do, my favorite co-host and
1: yours, the Caleb G. Caleb, how are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, not too bad, Michael. I'm uh, not coughing as much as you are, so I think I must have made a save versus poison at some point that I
0: clearly failed cuz I am I think I have black lung or something it's it's pretty awful here tonight. But we're here to talk about some exciting stuff including a catacomb. And I know for some of you you don't care about a catacomb, so just fair warning about 10 15 minutes or so is going to be dedicated to a catacomb cuz for us right now it's very important, it's very big news and very exciting. Uh, we will try to get that out of the way first this time and then we will do the rest of the show. So rather than Just stopping before we get to the end, this time you can skip forward a little bit. But before we get into any of our topics, we're gonna do what we always do, take a quick step back and talk about why we're here. Now, Caleb and I like to use these tabletopic episodes to share some of the wisdom he and I have gleaned from our many years of playing tabletop RPGs. But we understand that the advice we share and the opinions we give may not be applicable at every table, every time. But there is one piece of advice that we feel is pretty universal. And Caleb, what is that one piece of advice?
1: If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is
0: correct, sir. So no matter what game system you play or what edition or what rules you use, don't use, or misuse. If you're having fun, then you're playing the game correctly. And then we also want to give a quick way to get a hold of us in case we do have some new listeners that would like to interact with us or ask us some questions. On Twitter, I can be found at the RPG Academy. And I am always available at the Caleb G. If you would like to email us, then you can email us at podcast at the rpgacademy.com or michael at the rpgacademy.com or Caleb, what is your email address?
1: Caleb at the rpgacademy.com. Never going to remember that. It's so complicated. I apologize.
0: <laughs> I think I made it up, so it's my fault. Everything's your fault. Pretty much. So uh, before before we even get into the Catacom news, because I guess it's kind of related, we have a new sponsor. Not just for a catacon, but for the show as a whole. What? <laughs> that is our friends over at EasyRollerDice.com. If anyone was around for last year's a catacomb, you know that they gave us a ton of prizes. They probably, I, thinking back, I think they probably gave us the most of anybody as far as individual prizes that we had to give away. They've been very supportive and very generous to us as a show for for quite a while. We are an affiliate of theirs. If anyone would like to buy some EasyRollerDice.com merchandise, if you go to our website, there's a link. You click on it, we get a small percentage of whatever you pay uh, for going through our link. But they're actually going to sponsor basically our show, and they are going to do that in a couple different ways. Uh, At a catacomb, they're going to provide some free dice, and these are the super sweet metal ones that are truly awesome. Uh, to all of our VIPs and all of our special guests. And then they're going to try, no promises just yet, they're going to try to give something to everybody. So everybody who shows up is going to get, uh, hopefully, something in their swag bag from EasyRollerDice.com. So I just want to thank those guys. To be clear, I actually contacted them. It wasn't like they just said, hey, here's some money. Will you please, you know, shill our products? I really like their dice. And I was like, hey, would it be cool if we could get
1: more of them? And they said yes. So it's awesome. I have been using my easy roller dice dice ever since we first started talking to them a year ago year and a half ago i think uh that's my easy roller dice dice bag <laughs> that's right here by my computer. I have mine as well they did they
0: sent me a copy of the or a set of the metal dice and I've said before i I wanted a set of metal dice, but uh, they're really expensive, you know, and I'm kind of cheap. And then on top of that, most of them are hard to read. And I've said before that clarity of the die, being able to read the die is very important to me in my old age. And I, again, I know this sounds like we're just shilling for them, but it's truly, I just really like their dice. They're easy to read. I love the heft of them. So I am super excited that they want to partner with us uh, for a Catacon and beyond. So let's move on to a Catacon proper. We are exactly one week into the Catacomb Kickstarter currently. This will probably go out on Tuesday, which means at that point we'll be 11 days into the uh, campaign. We are just over $5,200, almost $53. We're about 65% of the way there. Uh, We're well on pace to hit the $8,000 mark that we need to fund. I don't know if we're going to get to the $11,000 that we need to bring in all the special guests, but we have some backup plans in place. So as long as we fund, there's still a chance that we're going to be able to do all that. Because we we've, we kind of built in time. It's actually one of the biggest reasons why we did the Kickstarter as early as we did. Was to give us time for plan B, C, D, and E uh, to get additional revenue if we needed it. But I still think we're going to fund pretty easily. We still have a lot of badges left. We've, we've started to get some more sponsorships are rolling in, including EasyRollerDice.com. We have some others that we're working on. And um, but we still need we still need people to buy badges if you can't come out to a catacomb. But there's still a lot of ways that you can help us. And right now, the biggest is those virtual games. I'm not sure if everyone is fully aware of that, but we have many of our podcasting friends and part of our network, as well as Caleb and myself, are willing to run a one shot game for four to five players, you know, three to five hours or so in exchange for a donation. It's still a donation. You're still giving us money towards the catacomb, but you're getting something in return, and that something is a game. With um, Matt has one. I have one. Caleb has a couple. Uh, Colin Kyle, who's friend of the show, he created a game called Axon Punk, who's just a cyberpunk game. He's agreed to do one. Uh, Jim and Darcy are both doing one. Both of theirs have already been taken. Lucas from City of Brass is going to do one, and he's actually already said he will throw in a free year subscription to City of Brass itself if you buy his table. Uh, Cinda from She's a Super Geek has one still, and then Kevin Smith from Melbourne Smith's Geekery has one. Oh, and Christopher from Sharkbone. So you know that's like 10 or 11 games. If we can get all of those sold, that will give us a huge bump towards funding. Uh, So please consider if you can't come to a catacomb but you would like to support us, that is an avenue to do so.
1: And those virtual games are pretty much up to you guys, whatever you want to do. Obviously, us as GMs, we have our gaming strengths and preferences, but by no means are we saying, we are going to run Dungeons & Dragons for you. We are going to run X game for you. This is a time for us to talk, figure out what game you want to play, We're not necessarily just going to run a module or an established game. Me, personally, I would happily run Dungeons & Dragons, but I would also happily run something silly and fun, like Everyone is John, or something with Wushu. This is just a chance for us to sit down and play a game together like we would if we were at a Catacomb.
0: Yes. So again, it's a way for you guys to help us out if you're willing and able. Uh, Last year we we broke those down by seats. So each seat at the table was a smaller amount. This year we did it as a table as a whole, mostly because the most feedback that we got of a critical nature was how that was handled last year. The scheduling was a bit of a headache and we did not do a very good job of it. And this was kind of our way of addressing it. But at the end of the day, if we don't end up filling those tables, we may look at breaking them into seats uh, halfway through the campaign or so, just because we have people who are willing to donate their time to help us, and I don't want them to not be able to do that for us.
1: It's also a little bit about working within the constraints of Kickstarter itself. Kickstarter is a fantastic platform for doing the type of thing that we're doing, but it does have some unique restrictions that we have to figure out how to work with. And these virtual games are a tough nut to crack. <laughs> so we're just experimenting. We're trying to figure it out. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, the the other option we looked at was to make multiple pledge levels per seat. So you would actually have Christopher Sharkbone podcast seat one, Christopher Sharkbone podcast seat two. And we have to do five of those for every person. We have 12 of those doing the math that's 60 different pledge levels just to cover those virtual games. And Caleb would have literally died if I tried to do that to him. He's already freaking out on how many pledge levels we have. He would have f-
1: just killed over dead and haunted me for the rest of my days if I tried to do that to him. I would have gotten into my car, driven the four hours to Cincinnati, picked up some of the quality metal dice provided by EasyRollerDice.com, <laughs> and thrown them at your face.
0: And these would hurt because they've got some heft to them. So that's kind of the, what we were trying to accomplish. But if anybody's listening, a Catacon, the, the Kickstarter is pretty much on pace what we thought it would would do. We have some sponsorships that are going to start rolling in. I fully expect that we are going to be getting some some large, significant jumps over the next week. And I think that we're going to be able to hit 8,000 easily. It's going to be difficult to get to 11. And right now, the, the idea of getting to 15 and getting all the things we want, that's a bit of a stretch. But we are going to continue to sell badges even after the Kickstarter closes. We're going to move that to a web store or to a PayPal model. We're also going to contact some game stores to get them to help us. So we are going to do everything we can over the next five months to continue to sell seats, uh, but we have to get to 8,000 first. Everything after that, we will be okay, but we have to get to 8,000. So anything you can do to help us out, please do we, we've had a lot of success sharing on social media we've already unlocked i think five different battle bards tracks or four three on the sharing and facebook likes side and then one on the katacon twitter followers side which i'll be honest those kind of freak me out i thought those would be easier like the the followers i kind of thought we would just like brush through those it's kind of surprised me that that hasn't gone as fast but there's the the total possibility of getting 10 tracks from Battle Barge, as well as two adventures from City of Brass, just for continuing to share the Kickstarter link and help us promote a catacomb on social media, liking our Facebook page, following us on Twitter, and then retweeting the Kickstarter link. So just keep doing what you're doing. We will get there. I, my goal was to get all of that. Like, I I kind of thought that would be easy and I really want to make sure that we get to all 10 of those, all 10 tracks and the two adventures. Like that should be an easy gimme for everybody who's coming as well as all of our virtual swag bag donators. So anything else on the catacomb before we move on, Caleb?
1: I would just like to say we have a lot more room this year and we have come nowhere close to filling even a fraction of that room at this point. Guys, if you... Came to a Catacomb last year. If you heard us talk about a Catacomb last year, the room was on the small side, and we filled most of it. We have, what, triple the space this year? Four times the space this year? Closer to five times. Five times the space. We have a massive room, and we don't have that many people coming. We have a lot of room to fill, guys. Don't think that we're running out of tickets. I'm really surprised that more tickets have not sold at this point. So you guys are doing awesome in telling your friends. We've heard great stories about people sharing how they told a friend or someone at a game store and that person came in and bought a ticket. That's amazing. Please keep doing that. The whole point of changing the venue of a Catacon is so that we can get more people to come. We want a bigger weekend because we want more of us hanging out and enjoying this hobby. So thank you for all you've done so far, and please continue to do it. We want more people to come. Ticket sales are most important right now. Michael's already said it. He says it in his posts all the time, but simply selling more badges gets us where we need to be.
0: That is enough for Catacon. So if anyone didn't want to hear about the Catacon stuff, hopefully this is where you fast forward to, and then we can continue from here. So one of the things that we want to do with table topics is we want to talk about things that actually happen at our tables, and then particularly things that are happening in the actual play games that we run so that you can kind of cross-reference them. And there might be a, a good teaching aid that you can hear what we did in the game and then hear sort of our comments on it and kind of go back and forth and hopefully learn not just from our good examples, but often maybe from our bad examples. We are currently running Rot Iron, which is our new 5e game that Caleb is DMing. And our seventh episode just came out. We had sort of set an arbitrary limit in our head that we wouldn't go back to Rot Iron until we got to at least episode 10. The idea being we didn't want to spoil anything. We didn't want to give anything away for someone who may just be finding it and hasn't caught up or that kind of thing. But something struck me as I was editing episode 7 that we do want to go ahead and talk about, but it's not necessarily about an episode specifically. It's more about the game as a whole, so it doesn't really violate that, that idea that we had. And we've talked several times on the show about narrative control. We've talked uh, very recently about encouraging players to have the authority and the confidence to take over narrative control and not only describe their characters' actions, which they are generally completely in control of, but also to talk about the world itself. They can decide if there's a full moon tonight, if there's a low-hanging branch they can grab, if there's a drunken halfling at the bar who's getting loud. Rather than waiting for the DM to provide those details, they can control the world and and put them in themselves because because that's something they want to interact with. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit differently about that because what I have noticed while editing the wrought iron game is that Caleb, as the dungeon master has been sort of subsuming that narrative control of our characters a little bit more than he has done in the past, in the games I've played with him, and maybe more so than I'm used to in games. And it didn't really strike me while we were playing, but in editing, I kind of picked up on it. So I kind of just want to talk about that as a general topic why you are feeling the need to do that, why you're doing it, what is accomplishing. And, you know, if you are going to do that as a DM in general, what are some ideas, techniques, thoughts that you should have in mind so that you don't step on the toes of the players? So I've sort of set all that up. So Caleb, I'll let you go at this point, And you can talk about some of the ideas behind wrought iron. And then if you're even conscious that you're doing it, why you're doing it, and if you're not, maybe why you think you might be doing it in this
1: particular game. Sure. Absolutely. Is there, before I get into that, a specific example that you can give or or just a general idea so that people might have a little bit more understanding about what we're talking about here? So
0: this is an episode seven. No, sorry. This is an episode nine that I'm editing currently. So it's not even out yet, but there's an event that happens and in the aftermath of, of that event, it is basically the next day. The characters have separated, and we're each in our own homes. And we're doing a little vignette with each character. And I remember specifically that with Matt's character, Cassander, you you were dictating, like, okay, Cassander, like you get up, you made yourself breakfast, you've kind of walked around your house, you've tended to your rabbits. So you were sort of narrating almost just like sort of common everyday morning ritual things rather than asking Matt, you know, what did Cassandra do this morning? You sort of just narrated what Cassandra did in what are certainly probably not necessarily uninteresting, but they're not uh, campaign hinging things like, Oh, did he have eggs or did he have bacon for breakfast? It doesn't really matter, but you sort of dictated those actions for him before you then turned it back over to him, for example.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's a definite Clarifying fact about what we're talking about here. To be perfectly frank and clear, that is not something I was really consciously doing. I didn't even realize I was doing things like that until we brought it up uh, during our last session that we just played the other day. And it was kind of an offhanded comment that you or Scott made uh, about what was happening. And as soon as you said it, I got really worried. I got really, really almost upset with myself because I was worried for a minute that I was being a type of GM that I try very actively to not be. I do not want to tell a story that you guys simply interact with. I am really striving to structure the story that you guys are telling. And I'm, I almost started second guessing myself because when we started planning wrought iron, I had a, a very general idea about the content of the campaign. And, and I've said this in the articles that I've been writing as a follow up to each episode. I knew the opening scene. I knew how I wanted to visually see it playing out as if it was a movie or a television show. And I know that events will take us to a big twist surprise at about the middle of the campaign. And I'm still structuring exactly how we get there and why it happens. But again, I see visually in my head what that moment entails, uh, as if it was the cliffhanger at the end of a season finale kind of thing. I have that idea in my head. So I know how I want us to start, I know something that has to happen in the middle, but everything that happens between those two points and exactly what happens after the fact, I have not clearly defined. And my intention is to let you guys define that story and tell your story with my own guidance to getting to these exciting interjections. This is my... My contribution to the story are these few little points I'm trying to let you guys define everything else. So when you guys brought up what was happening, I was really worried that for a minute I was being a little bit too heavy handed with the story. But based on our conversation, I don't think that's what's happening.
0: And I want to jump in there because what I think is important to set you at ease is that... I didn't notice it while we were playing. And if I did, then I might say, okay, maybe we are leaning too far in that direction because as a player, I'm then feeling like you're dictating too many of my actions. But it wasn't until I I was editing and again, I'm on episode 9 at this point and then it was like, "Huh." And I just started thinking about it and and there I could I could remember other instances where you were doing this. So it, it just got my wheels turning. I was like, "That's kind of interesting. I wonder why he's doing that." And having talked to you a little bit about this when we were recording, you weren't consciously aware. So then I started thinking, okay, so why does he need to do it? And what I've come up with is because we're all stupid. (laughs) We have been just, I mean, again, I'm having so much fun with wrought iron. And I think Army is probably the most complex character I've ever played on any of the campaigns. And I don't know if I'm doing it well. and It may not come across that way. But there's a lot of layers to RME, and I'm really enjoying the exploration of that. But I'm still Michael, and we're still doing goofy things. And and just for example, we recorded, was it last night? Yeah, was it was last night. We recorded four hours. I think we actually played the game for 35 minutes. There there was a point where I almost said, do we just call it? Because we had two straight hours of just around and it was fun. Like we were all laughing. I, so I think it was one of those things where just maybe you just don't try to push it. You know, we, we needed to do that for some reason. I know a couple of us were having some stress in our lives and I just think it was a, it was actually kind of nice to just, you know, around with your friends and, and tell jokes. But that's what got me thinking. I bet that if you didn't do that, we wouldn't be nearly as far along the story as we are. And in this game in particular, you've already shared with me that this isn't something we're going to play in perpetuity. You have a definitive endpoint, not only in the game, but in the real world. Like you have a, I expect this game to be done by X in the real world. And I think that's what's happening.
1: Okay. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Michael. I have not written a schedule. I don't know on this date, this will happen. And by this date, this has to happen. But in the back of my mind, I know that wrought iron is going to have a definitive end point the characters will get to level 20 and by that point the story will reach its ultimate climax and we will enter into the resolution and my reason of wanting to do that is because well i want to finish the story there's so many campaigns that never get to experience that final conclusion. And that can be for a variety of different reasons. We've talked about that on the show many times. A lot of times campaigns end just because life happens. Scheduling gets hard. It's difficult to get together. There's burnout. There's lack of interest. There's changing interest. But I want to give this story Justice. I want to say, hey, we started with this great, interesting world, these dynamic characters, we're going to watch them evolve, we're going to watch some interesting, dramatic, intense things happen to them. These characters deserve an ending. So when I'm approaching preparation for our Rod iron sessions, I know in my head, we need to keep the story moving. We need to get from A to Z. In a home campaign where we just want to play to have fun, I'm not preparing a game like that. I'm just telling whatever story is best in that session. But for Rod Iron, we're moving forward. We have to make progress. So I think the reason that I might be narrating a little bit more and trying to build that momentum back into the story is is simply because we need to get the story moving. And yeah, I think it would be great if we could just screw around and narrate as we need to and and just let crazy little things happen. But as a quasi-professional storyteller and podcaster, I know that I need to play to the listeners. I need to keep these episodes moving. So when I say all right, it's morning, you've done this and this, what happens next? What do you guys do? And that pause goes on just a little bit too long. I know I need to step in and provide some motivation. And I'm not trying to take over narrative control or take away any choice from you or Scott or Matthew. But I know that the four of us will just devolve into jokes and tangents and not go forward. I want to make sure it's
0: it's clear that I don't want it to seem like Caleb is saying one thing but doing the other. We had a, an entire session that was born from an idea I had based off something that I did in the game. So it's not like you've written a story and you're putting us into scenes. Like there was this was a scene that you said would not have happened if I hadn't said, you know what would be cool based on what happened? This makes sense. And you're like, yes. And we, we devoted an entire session to that. So I don't think that you are just pushing us along this story that you have in mind. There is, there is still a story. There is plot that is happening. But you're not just saying, okay, you're now doing this. I guess how I'd say this is like there's never been a time where I'm like, okay, Army's going to do this. And you've said, no, Army wouldn't do that. You know, if I want to punch a guard or get drunk and get naked on the beach, you've never said no army wouldn't do that. You're not dictating anything that matters. I, th- I think it's, it's an, a narrative technique that you're using. It's almost like, like improv games. This is all the setup, but you're just doing it multiple times. It's not just like, Hey, you're on a tavern. Go. It's you're all at the tavern. Go. Okay. You've now had that scene. This has now happened. Now Go. Okay, this is now happening, because all the things that you're, you've taken over have all been very mundane. Again, it's literally like what you had for breakfast, how much time you spent getting dressed in the next morning. But it still was just an interesting observation that I, that I pulled out. And so I started thinking, when would you need to use this? Because we are doing a podcast. We are fully aware that we're doing a podcast, and we hope that we're doing it well so we know that there's an audience besides the table itself that's that might be listening and we want to make sure that we're providing that content. Not everyone has that need, but there is one particular type of game that I think this does translate directly to and you know, it happens to be near and dear to our heart conventions. If you're going to run a game at a convention, Unless it's something that you you know, you know regularly do and there's multiple sessions, which are there exceptions, but 90% of the time, you run a game in a convention, you've got three to five hours, you need a beginning, you need a middle, and you need an end. And I can tell you right now that if you put me, Matt, and Scott in a convention game, we are not going to finish it. We <laughs> We are very likely not going to get out of the first room because we're going to be doing silly stuff, but it's going to be in-character stuff. We're going to be talking to each other and talking about the weather and all kinds of other stuff. So I feel like, that is a time that translates like like basically our game, because we know it's being recorded and because we know that we want to have an endpoint at some point in time, it's sort of like a convention game in that regard. And I think it's an acceptable technique to use in those situations.
1: You're absolutely right, Michael. This is all about pacing. This is all about understanding the dynamic of telling a story. Sometimes in some games the most fun you can have is not telling a story and simply experiencing the world and experiencing social interaction between your characters and this world you're playing pretend in. If we sat down with our wrought iron characters and our wrought iron world and we weren't recording for an audience, we absolutely could let ourselves go crazy and just kind of screw around in this world. And it wouldn't matter because it'd just be the four of us having fun on a weekend or an evening. But when we are working within the time constraints and the reality of trying to get a specific thing accomplished, we have to work within the mindset of we need to progress from point A to point B and That same mindset a lot of times does happen at a gaming convention as well. Now, if you're playing a game that doesn't have that type of constraint or you're not playing a module, you don't have to worry about finishing a certain type of event, this might not apply. But in general, most convention games are about getting through a series of events, going from beginning to middle to end. And as a GM, you sometimes have to take a step back and kind of watch what's happening as if you were an audience. And in those moments where events might be going off track a little bit, what we've been talking about here is a way to get things back on track while still allowing for your players to be in control of their characters and what's happening.
0: This is a technique that can be abused. And I think for many newer GMs, they probably wield it too clumsily. And it has probably led to some bad experiences, which is why there's there's sort of a, a anathema to it that you know the, the DM controls everything except my player's actions. So I definitely want to caution people about doing this not realizing that you're doing it. Like I, I think it should, it's for the most part, it should be a conscious effort and be aware, read your table. And again, it, it's not like I'm going to, well, actually I'll give a will give a bad example as a good example. I've I've mentioned many times before I played in a game that didn't go well. I got really bored. That's when I started making my own uh, game table again, like basically reform my group. One of the things that happened in that game right off the bat, that should have been a, warning light is we had our characters were traveling through a forest and there was the dm said we see the bright lights on the horizon and essentially there's like a forest fire and as characters we basically decided that hey we didn't care that's nothing to do with us we're going to just you know ignore it and the dm said to one of the characters or to one of the players no your character is a ranger you would not care about you would not not care about this you have to go deal with this forest fire and that is the part where i think it's intruding and again it's very classic railroading like hey i have an encounter planned you got to go fight the fire elemental you can't just ignore that that is not what is happening in your games Uh, that is not where i feel like you're imposing on me your actions because if if i don't do this something will happen that will mess up the story and it's it's just very sort of a subtle technique to keep us moving at least in the right general direction of the way we need to go for the story to make sense. And I think that's I think that's where the technique can be used, can be used effectively, but absolutely be aware watch your table and if someone sort of has that sort of you know head back like what you you know no I I actually my character's a vegetarian so I I would not have had bacon. Then you need to say, okay, if, yeah, absolutely. It's your character. You know, you describe what breakfast breakfast looks like, and then you try to cut a corner somewhere else. But if you have players like, because none of us have said anything, I, I can't speak for Matt and Scott because they're not here. But again, in the game, at no point did anyone ever say uh, no that you're not saying what I'm doing here. We're all just like, okay, and then we continued on the path. Um, and it's something that I do that I know I've done. I know I'm, I'm rambling because that's what I do. But but I've done this a lot in in Dark Discovery. There was um the The episodes that are out in the in the in the main feed, it ends with all the characters jumping on the boat and basically fleeing. And the next game started with, okay, three hours have passed. You guys are all now back in the galley having a conversation. I've kind of done the same thing, but rather than doing it for an individual character, I just sort of did it as a whole. And I think, I think that happens a lot. We just don't think about it. Where you say. And the night passes, you get up the next morning and you're, you're on your way back, you know, like, like you're walking through the woods to the cave of Nevermore. And the, you know, the DM will say, you've traveled for three days, you're now a day's walk away. And I don't think anybody would blink an eye at that, but it's still the same thing. You know, I could have a character who's like, no, I want to have a moment, you know, I want to go talk to a squirrel because I'm a ranger and I like talking to squirrels. And so, I, you know, give me my moment to talk to the squirrel. And I think you say, okay, sure, yeah, we'll we'll have that scene now. But you still don't necessarily undo the fact that it's now been three days and you're now one, you know, you're a couple hours away from the Cave of Nevermore because that's where the story needs to go next. I don't, again, I know I said a whole lot. Hopefully some of that made sense.
1: Well, we're really talking about fast forwarding through the mundane and focusing on the exciting parts. If we want to make a reference here, let's look at The Lord of the Rings. There was a whole bunch in those books about walking. In the movies, that was a five-second scene. Hey, here's guys walking across the horizon. Oh, look, there's a fight. Montage. That we're, we're montaging here, is what we're saying. The reason I think we're okay with this is because we know we're playing a game. We're not playing real life. We're not simulating real life. While the game system we're using Has an element of simulation within it, we're sitting down to play a game, meaning we want to play the exciting parts. The things that we narrate and montage and fast forward through are the cutscenes in a video game. The things that you always wish you could kind of hit B and skip through, that's what we're doing. Because when we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, do we care about making breakfast and feeding the livestock and going to the market? No, because we do that in real life. We play Dungeons and Dragons because we want to fight some monsters and explore and talk to NPCs and be murder hobos because that happens sometimes. We're playing a game to do the things in the game that make the game interesting. So
0: this is my observation here. Is I agree with you, but I think what what is interesting about what you're doing and why it has sort of stuck out to me now is that you are fast forwarding, but you're including the details. And I think part of that is you being a storyteller and, you know, again, someone who likes to write and you were still building the world and those small details can sometimes flesh out the world. So it's, it's not like you're saying, Okay, Cassandra, you woke up the next morning, you've made your breakfast go. You are including the details of, you know, you get out of bed, there's a nightstand to your left, you, you know, you pick up the book that you were writing in the night before, you shuffle across. So it's like you are using very descriptive language, but you're still narrating so that we get from point A to point B. So you're fast forwarding, but you're including details that aren't necessarily crucial, but they're world building, they're, you know, they're scene setting details. And I, I think that's the difference between just saying, OK, three days have passed. You're now a wee, uh, an hour march from the cave to, you know, saying you guys spent three days in the woods. And while you were in the woods, you did this and you did this and you did this and, and adding those types of details. And I think that goes back to, again, you being a storyteller and being good at narrating that way so that
1: you set the scene. And the reason I do that is because we are recording a podcast. We are playing with a purpose in these sessions here. If we were playing our home game, I would probably be more likely to say, okay, three days pass, we're in the woods, there's going to be a fight. Three days pass, hey, there's a dungeon, let's explore it, that kind of thing. But we are creating audio-only entertainment, so... My instinct is to try to provide these narrative description details.
0: See, I think there's a a nugget here. I think we've got to the nugget, hopefully. Is this is something I have been thinking about. That there is a communal experience when you play a game like Dungeons & Dragons. That you share with the people at your table that transcends the mechanics. And those are the things that become stories. And we've said before on the podcast where we don't use maps and minis because it doesn't make good radio for me to say, I move there and attack that one. Because it doesn't. But I guarantee that if we were to play out a large-scale battle that I have set up properly through the game, and the very last thing that happens is one of my players says, I move there, I use my daily attack power, and I'm going to use this thing to give me advantage... And that person rolls, and let's say they got a 20 because it's truly epic, and they t- did enough damage that they killed the main bad guy. Someone listening to what we said, we just used mechanics. I moved 30 feet, I used his feet, I rolled my, my thing, I got max damage, and I killed the bad guy. The next day, when we're all talking about what happened, we're going to tell that story like Lord of the Rings. The way I slid under his attack and I shuffled into position out of the shadows and I used the dagger my father gave me and I've had for 20 levels. And I, you know, and you're going to tell that story narratively because you experienced it that way, even though you're describing it mechanically. And I think that's what we're getting to is that because we are aware that we're a podcast, we are trying to share that same experience we already have at the table with an audience that... Just listening, if we said, I move there and attack that one, it would be boring as crap. But we as players still, we are mentally still seeing that, or at least we will when we fill in the details later and we tell the story five years from now. Does that
1: make sense? I think that does make a lot of sense. As players, there are two levels of the game. There are the mechanics that we use and there is the role-playing that we do. When we have a memory we are probably going to remember the narration and the role playing because that's what resonates with us as humans we tell stories we remember stories now there are plenty of times where i recount a story and i share the exciting thing that happened because of my character build there's plenty of times where I say, hey, remember that one character and I had all these different feats and there's that one perfect time where they all worked well together? I love that power gamey storytelling because it's fun seeing the math and seeing how things work together. But that happens very few and far between. Exactly as you just said, Michael, I remember the narration. That's what I share. That's what I treasure from my games with friends and family. So what we're talking about here, this narrative style of fast-forwarding but still incorporating all these details, we are effectively trying to reproduce those best narrative replays. We are trying to focus on the things that create those lasting memories and make sure that those lasting memories are as vibrant and as easy to share with everyone else who is listening that is not the four of us that is sitting here playing this game.
0: I think for us, too, we're kind of playing the long game where absolutely we're going to end up being heroes, hopefully, at some point. Uh, You know, we may not succeed in our endeavors, but we're going to have the opportunity to be heroes in this world. But we all have very complex layered characters and I said I really hope that we are doing them justice because what I know about the other characters, there's a lot of things going on that may not come out very well. And I think those little details help sell the fact that this isn't just a there's a monster kill it, move it to the next monster kill it type of game that we're trying to tell a story that we will be able to to look back on months later, years later, and feel some sort of connection and some sort of weight, you know, to those decisions. So I I know, I think, I think what's interesting about this is, as you've said, you created a lot of the story after we created characters. So it, it wasn't like, here's my story, populate your characters into it. We created characters and you've built a story around them, but you did build a story. You have a plot that is happening that we were part of. And if tomorrow I decide that army is just going to sleep all day, something's probably going to happen and I'm not going to be there for it, but it's still going to happen. The world is still moving around us, but we're still, we're playing heroes. So we're going to get ourselves involved in it. And I don't know. I just think uh, like, as always, I don't know that we had a solid point to what we were trying to get across with this conversation. I just thought it was noticeable and worth pointing out because it's sort of the opposite of what we normally say when it comes to the DM does everything except say what the players do. And I think that there's there's a gray there. I mean, even, even that line, the DM does everything but what the players do, that's not a solid black and white line anymore. There is a little bit of gray, and even more so than I realize, because, again, we all do it when we say, you know, you sleep the night, you wake up the next morning, now you're an hour away from the cave. Because if you don't
1: take those shortcuts, you will never get done. And all of that being said, if in the next session of Rod Iron, Michael, you say, okay, well, I get up and army is going to do this, this, and this, and that's going to take a couple hours, and then she's going to go down into the town and do this, that, and the other. I'm not going to step over that. I'm not going to undo what you just did. You took that fast-forward narration montage, but you were still supplying those details. So if you take the initiative, if Scott or Matthew takes the initiative, absolutely. I have been taking the initiative... Because as a podcaster, I, I know we have to get moving. We have to tell the story. So we all have the right to do that at the table. And, you know, sometimes if I don't do it, no one else is gonna. <laughs> I, I think that that would be the kind of the way to, to
0: sort of button it up, is to say that you do have the right to do it as long as we give you that right. Um, no one has... Said anything, no one has been offended, no one's been upset. So then obviously you're not doing anything you shouldn't do. But for anyone listening in their home game, if you are having those conversations, whereas the DM you're trying to say X, Y, and Z happens, and the players are going, ah, I don't that's no, I don't want to do that, then you may be overstepping your bounds and you may want to take a step back. And and as I'll always say, why are you doing that? Like there's a reason why you are doing that. Figure out the why. And then determine, is there another way to get the same thing you're trying to accomplish? Is it the fact that they're just not progressing the story at the speed that you want them to? Because you know you've got four hours to play because you've got to be in bed by 11. And I really want them to get to the secret door tonight. And then that's where we're going to leave it off because I want the next game to start with them opening the secret door. And the speed they're moving, they're not even going to be in the dungeon yet. Then maybe that's setting expectations like, hey, guys, I need us to move along tonight. Maybe it's changing your expectations of the DM that like, hey, we may not get to the dungeon till next week type of a thing. But try to figure out why you're doing it. And if it's important, then maybe keep doing it. But if it's not important, maybe you don't. But the last thing I'll say on this before we move on is I can remember being a fairly young child watching Scooby-Doo, as we have both said that we are both uh, Scooby-Doo fanatics, that it struck me as, you know you never see them in the bathroom. Like, I literally had the, the thought of, how come I never see them go to the bathroom? They must go to the bathroom. Everyone goes to the bathroom, but you never see them go to the bathroom. And I started putting the connections together because no one cares. It's not important to the story. Unless it's, the story is that they're in the bathroom, that's why they missed it. That's why we don't need to see Fred walking out of the bathroom zipping his fly because it's not important to the story. And I think that's what we're talking about here is we're not showing our characters go to the bathroom. But I'm sure since we started playing, Armies had to go to the potty at some point. That's just the way it works. But it's not important enough. So who cares? So we skip that. We move on.
1: I'm, I, don't th- I don't have a follow up to that. I, I, I don't think I can follow that up. So yeah. You're, you're right. And move on. There we go. Topic closed. Topic
0: closed. All right, so we're about ready to wrap up this episode. A couple last sort of housekeeping things. Uh, we are closing in our 100th episode of Table Topics. This, is, I believe, is 94. They come out about every other week, so we've got 8 to 12 weeks or so before we are going to get there. We want to make episode 100 special, and we are working on some things uh, kind of behind the scenes that we want to do to kind of make it a fun uh, episode for us as well as for you. But what we need is some questions. So please, if you have questions that you would like for us to answer on our 100th episode, if you tweet them to us, tag them as TT100. So hashtag TT100. That way when we get ready to go through all these, we'll be able to search by that and be able to find them all. If you want to email the questions into us, you can do that at either Michael or Caleb or Podcast any of the three at the RPG Academy.com. in the subject line, put TT 100. So we know that's what it's for. And same thing on Facebook, if you want to put them there, but we, we want to have a bunch of questions. We basically want the majority of the episode to be us answering questions. And these can be anything. It can be, you know, again, why we started podcasting or what equipment we use or what's our greatest success or biggest failure, or biggest regret. What are our plans? It could be, how do you think you would handle this? What, really whatever you want and we may not be able to answer all of them if we get too many which that's the problem I want I want the problem to be we have too many questions so please send us in some questions so that we can use them for our 100th episode Caleb do you have anything for the 100th episode announcements
1: I'll just say right now my favorite food is pizza and I enjoy long walks on the beach as played on YouTube videos because I don't like leaving the house
0: there's only two things I fear thermonuclear war Carney folk, small hands smell like cabbage,
1: and that's Michael Care of the RPG Academy for all complaints.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so basically, the last thing tonight is we do have a new five star review that Caleb in his dulcet tones will read, and then just a reminder that we are still running the Academy or the uh, Gen Con slash Acadicon contest. It's not really a contest, but anyways, it's a a review drive. That's what we should say. It's a a review drive. We're trying to get more reviews on the podcast, either on iTunes or on Stitcher. Google Play now exists. I don't know if there's a way to review on Google Play yet, but if there is, leave us something there too. But essentially, the way it works is between when we started it up until July 15th, for every 10 new reviews on either iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, if that's a thing, we are going to give away a prize pack, and that prize pack will include $30, at Gen Con for someone who's at Gen Con. So you can buy dinner or buy the new game that you want or buy gas home, whatever. And a free badge to a Catacon. If you've already backed a Catacon through the Kickstarter, we'll refund your money or we'll we'll figure out a way to make it equitable to you for winning. Uh, But that's what we want to do. We've already crossed the first 10 threshold. We are now on to our second. So we are closing in on the two of those prospects being able to be given away up until July 15th. So please, if you have yet to write us a review, please do so. It does really help us out. It helps us in the algorithm, gets more people to see our show, start listening to our show, and hopefully become part of our community. So with all of that out of the way,
1: Caleb, please read our newest five-star iTunes review. All righty. So this review comes from widak Retsem sounds like There's what it's a new pharmaceutical i think oh, is that the one that makes your thing go whoo but it makes your huh, go up i don't know but maybe we have big pharma that's going to support academy hey yeah i'll take experimental drugs experimental drugs leading to a new role play hey N- next year's Actual play, we will all be on these drugs, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Kids don't do drugs. It's bad for it's you. V- okay. Very bad. Drugs are bad. So, Wydak <laughs> titles this review, If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. I'll let that sink in for a minute. That's pretty catchy. We should put
0: that on a t-shirt.
1: I like the other one better. <laughs> and Wydak Retsum says... I love this podcast. I have finally caught up after months of listening from the beginning. That's dedication right there. That's, wow, we have a big backlog, and I applaud you, sir or madam. There is something for everyone, from campaigns to one-shots to interviews to rules discussions with a mix of fun and information in all of the segments for new and experienced players and GMs alike. My only real criticism is that Michael worries a bit too much about the early audio quality, clearly not up to other later standards, but totally enjoyable anyway. I have attempted their advice and strategies in my games to great effect. I could waste an hour of your time writing about how great this podcast is, but you'd do better just listening for yourself too long didn't read if you like role-playing games or are curious about them give this podcast a listen that's a great review i'm surprised you didn't censor that one because it kind of called you out
0: Well, but it called me out for it's like a like a compliment in disguise because he's basically saying that our audio isn't bad and that everyone should listen where i sometimes go oh some of our old episodes are bad so if you want to skip them, you can so you know it's it's like a It's the opposite of a backhanded compliment. It's an informa brag. Okay, there you go. Yeah. But this is what's really interesting to me, actually, that I think I mentioned this on another show at some point in time. There's now been a person, at least one, who in we'll say a three-month span has listened to four years of my life condensed down to three months. The growth of our show from... Again, when no one listened to this month, which is our best month ever, the health issues I went through, uh, you know, changing jobs, changing co-hosts, adding show topics like there—that is such an—I just I kind of want to just talk to that person because I don't think anyone can actually view their own life in that way. I I, I kind of find that very interesting, and I would love to be able to do that myself, is to go back and go that was four years of my life condensed into three months and how would I see that growth and how would I feel about it from an outsider's perspective? I find it fascinating. I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
1: It's probably just you. Probably.
0: Okay. So enough of this. We will wrap the show up. So this has been Michael and Caleb and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here,